Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, Mike here. That was really loud, wasn't it? That was a little bit loud. I'm sorry. Technical difficulties. Sounded a little loud. Mike Moynihan here, my co-host for this episode, pretty much every episode, Andy Davis. Uh, welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast. What do you think, man, so far? We are knocking them out, man. <laughs> it's it's uh, <laughs> been fun. And, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I know I can speak for myself that it's... Um, it's been fun talking about this stuff and I've, I've obviously learned a lot too, like, you know, through yourself and then a couple of the guests that we've had on, it's, it's been a lot of fun because I'm, I'm really interested in this stuff and, you know, I'm by no means an expert, but I know a little bit, I know enough to kind of, you know, carry on a conversation. So it's, it's fun to learn more about it. Me too. And I, I've learned a lot too. And I think today we're both going to hopefully educate so many people out there because we're talking about we're doing our first really deep dive into a year of cardboard during the golden age of cardboard which i kind of consider you know 50, 48 like we said from the very beginning to you know right after the war to 1980 it's kind of the era and we are going to hit we're going to just start off with a bang and episode four is going to be on 1953 and so we'll get into that in a minute, but I wanted to ask you real quick. First of all, we had second week of NFL, yes. right? So we're, we're shooting this on Monday, just so everybody knows, and it'll probably be released on Wednesday. But, you know, yesterday the Cowboys pulled out literally a miracle. I mean, literally a miracle. And so that was uh, interesting in the the Chiefs won in overtime. It was just a it was an interesting week of football. Lots of injuries. But what I really am shocked about is I looked up and I looked at the standings. I'm like, there's only a week left of baseball. Like it feels like we just started, right? I mean, the 2020 season literally just started. And the answer is it did just start. Right. Know? You're you're correct in, <laughs> in both of those statements. It uh it has flown by because yeah, it was really short. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to think that uh, 60 games, it's just gone. When you're playing every day, I mean, it's two months. And the normal, normal baseball season is three times that long, right? So the playoffs are going to be interesting. we got a last week, you know, craziness and all the stuff that's going to be going on with that. So that that should be a lot of fun. Even though this is a vintage, sport, sport, uh, vintage baseball card podcast, we still like we follow the game, right? Of course. I mean, if you, if you love baseball, then yeah, you follow baseball every year. You know, I think that's a key, by the way, you just made a great point. 
I think to love baseball cards, you got to love baseball. Like, right. Or that's any, how that's how it works for me. Like, um, I can't remember where I've heard there's somebody out there. I think it's the, uh, maybe it's the house of Jordan's podcast where they, they ask a question at the end, you know, if you had to give up one or the other, the sport, watching the sport or collecting the cards, which would it be? And as for me, like, I mean, I love both of them so much, but I just don't think I could ever give up watching sports. I can't see a scenario where I would give up watching sports. So that's to me, the, the reason I love the cards is because of the sports. If that makes any sense. Yeah. That would be an easy choice for me to give up the cards, to not give up the sport and the hit, uh, no thing. I mean, every day in the week, right? Every day of the week. So, but man, we have got a battle Royale on tap today. We are going to talk about a year of sports cards. That is might be the best ever. You could make an argument in terms of pure beauty of cards, right? You could make a strong case. I mean, these are a couple of heavy hitter sets. I know a lot of people in our YouTube community really love these sets. So I think uh, this one will probably resonate with people for sure. Well, let me set the stage a little bit of what's going on in 1953, because to understand the importance of these two sets, you have to know the context of what was going on, both in sports card history and, and in baseball itself. I mean, if you think 1953, Eisenhower just became president in 53. Uh, Korean War was coming to an end. We, you know, Khrushchev took over in Russia. So there was a lot of geopolitical events going on. And here stateside in sports, baseball is king. I mean, it is... And it's not only king, it's really king in one place, New York City. You've got three really good teams, the Giants, the Yankees, and the Dodgers. I mean, it is, you've got amazing superstars that are already, you know, Mays and Mantle are playing. Aaron's next, the next year, but you've got Eddie Matthews. You've got Stan Musial, Ted Williams. I mean, it's just Unbelievable. Whitey Ford and and Yogi Berra and just so many players. Roy Campanella. I, I could go on and on. And let me stop you there. You said something yeah. that I think is important, especially for a lot of younger people. And when you said that baseball was king, I mean, like, there's, there's so many debates that go on nowadays, like which sport is more popular, basketball, football, baseball, soccer, you know, whatever your sport may be. But back then, you were absolutely right. There was just no debate. It was baseball, right? Yeah, it was the national pastime in every sense of the word. It wasn't just something you said because people say it. It really was that. And the cards brought that to life for people all across the country that didn't live in these cities. And it's not like it is today where everything was broadcast all over the country. You could watch any game you want on MLB, you know, subscription and you could watch any didn't work that way. You got your regional team and every, the, the farthest West team in 1953 was the St. Louis Cardinals and the, and the St. Louis Browns. Right. Which yeah. by the way, later that year, the Browns became the Orioles um, and the, Boston Braves moved to Milwaukee and became the Braves in the 53 season. So you've got expansion starting and things are moving more West, but 
still it's a very regional sport, right? Everything's pretty much Mississippi and and east of that. So and and certainly very centered in the Northeast. You had so many teams up in Boston and Philly and because you had the Philadelphia, Philly had two teams, Boston had two teams, New York had three teams, right? I mean, it's yeah, the, the travel was a lot different back then. You didn't have to <laughs> yeah, much fewer teams too. You, yeah, you know, so the, the the baseball world was certainly different. Now, in the card world, this is where it gets really interesting. And before we talk about that, I want you to un- you guys to understand that. Andy and I have learned a lot of this stuff, either A, researching for this podcast, B, refreshing ourselves from information we've known in the past and just kind of revisiting it. But the reality of it is there are so many resources out there. If you want to learn about these vintage sets, don't be afraid to go find it. Uh, I'll talk about a few, but Andy, what's one resource you use to learn to kind of bone up on this stuff? So on the on the PSA website, you can you can click on the tab for the PSA set registry. And then in the, the top right, they have this tab that's explore sets. So you can click on baseball, go down to the 53 tops or whichever set. But, that, you know, obviously we're talking about 53 tops in Bowman. So I went to that set and there's a there's a little link that you can click where it's it gives like an in-depth article on the 53 top set has just a wealth of information. And I think this article was written back in 2007, but I mean, it's still pretty relevant today. The only thing that I saw that was probably different was they quoted a lot of, you know, pop reports on some of the cards, which would have been from, from back then. So those have, you know, obviously changed over the years, but um, you know, everything else is it's, it's history, right? So it doesn't change really. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's one of the the great resources that uh, that I use, and there's there's tons of others out there. And I think you you were looking at some different stuff, right? Yeah. So the main another great place to look besides PSA is the Cardboard Connection, which is literally cardboardconnection.com. On that, you can look up different baseball sets, and in that, it'll give you a great write up on the set and what was unique about it and how many cards there were and you know big rookies and everything you'd want to know it has key cards it has set checklist so any set you want if you go to cardboardconnection.com you can find out information about it especially at the i mean it's cool to read about the kind of mainstream sets but it has everything you know so if there were weird regional food issues or something you can go learn about it and it's a, it's another great resource and then one of the biggest resources i use and i'm going to love talking about all this because that's what i'm going to talk about next is this book right here and it's for those of you that are listening on a podcast it's called the bubblegum card war and it is by um dean hanley the great bowman and top sets from 1948 to 1955 it was a all-out war this isn't a joke like it like oh not like shooting guns and stuff war but a war for supremacy of the nickels and pennies of kids around the country and it was between bowman and tops so let me set the stage for you because andy you know a lot of this history probably but not everybody out there might know it and it's cool to learn and think about so bowman 1948 
their their releasing sets. Leaf was around, but Bowman was the king of the baseball card world, and they dominated. 48, 49, 50, 51 comes around. Bowman has their classic 51 Bowman set, the smaller cards, you know, almost like cigarette cards. They're they're slightly bigger than the old cigarette cards, but not much bigger. And they had an exclusive, you know, domination of the baseball card market. Well, then comes this company called Tops, this guy named Cy Berger, who at the time is running Tops. They're a candy company and they want to get into the sports card realm to sell to sell more bubblegum. They were trying to sell bubblegum. At the end of the day, the baseball cards were an ancillary part to bubblegum sales for both companies, by the way, Bowman and Tops. So Tops puts out this 51 top set, which is a, a game type set, which is incredibly unsuccessful. Oh, and that was actually pre, you know, Cyberger was with the company, but after that debacle of a set, they gave the reins over. They told Cyberger, you go make the set you want to make, more or less. And all of this is documented in this book, by the way. So if you want to go to Amazon and get it, it is a great read. Um, very fascinating stuff. So Cyberger creates the classic, beautiful 1952 top set, which bursts onto the scene and blows Bowman out of the water and really puts them back on their heels. And they're like, oh my goodness. I mean, the 52 Bowman set was nice. I wouldn't call it like groundbreaking or anything, but 52 tops certainly was. Bigger cards, right? Um, cheaper cards, cheaper packs. They they went after Bowman every way possible. They stole away players. Cyberger literally went to clubhouses and would, you know, pal around with the guys and take them out and try to sign them to a deal with tops. And so after 52, Bowman's like going, they're reeling. They're like, what do we do? Well, what's their response to the 52 top set? They come out with arguably the most beautiful photography set ever created. Uh, and it's the 1953 Bowman color set. So the 53, I'll talk about that first, Andy, a little bit. You can throw in anything you want, and then I'll let you handle the top side of it on just kind of the set. But the Bowman cards, they went big. They went very similar to, you know, the um, 52 top set. So they went bigger in terms of the size, but it's just 160 cards on the Bowman color side. And it's one of the smallest sets really they ever created. They did it in two series. They have cards number one through 112 is the first series called the low numbers. And then you have 113 through 160 are the high numbers. And they say the high numbers are more difficult to find. That can be debated. But Bowman has these just, you know, beautiful color images that they use. Full, there's no writing on the front at all of the cards. It's just the player. And ironically, all of these pictures were shot either at Yankee Stadium or the polo grounds. And they were all done before the 52 season was over. So these are essentially dated pictures, but that's how it is for a lot of the, you know, they got to, they have to produce the cards, right? So they have to get pictures that aren't in the actual year that the card is released. And so like all the Braves guys have Boston Braves hats on, even though they had moved to Milwaukee for the 
53 season as an example the but all they had to hire a photographer a new york based photographer to take all the pictures so they could get them all done so all the american league guys are shot at yankee stadium i shouldn't say all most and then the national league guys are shot at the polo grounds so you have this beautiful set and it was the first bowman set ironically first ever bowman set that had stats on the back of the card player stats they had had write-ups on the players and stuff like that this is the beautiful i'm showing right now the stan musual card he's in the dugout you got this army green dugout color that i guess they just had a surplus of army green paint after the war because everything was painted army green all around sports um <coughs> you have so many classic images on the 53 bowman color and then they did this you know uh thing after the for the third series that they were going to come out with basically bowman blew its wad i mean they were they spent so much money to produce these beautiful full color. It was the first time, by the way, uh, full color photographs had been used on cards and they were out of money. They didn't, they were like, Oh crap. And we have more cards to make. And so then they produced a 64 card black and white set that same year. And they actually started the numbering over. It wasn't even like a continuation. It was, cards number one through 64 and then uh that set that black and white set is is still gorgeous the backs look the same and everything it just doesn't have the same beauty as the color set for obvious reasons and there's not very many big players in the black and white set in fact the really only two key hall of famers are bob lemon and casey stingle so it's you know, a bunch of scrub kind of guys. Um, by the way, speaking of the black and white set, before I get too far into this, if you stay to the end, you're going to have a chance to win a 1953 Bowman extension set. And if you want to know what that is, keep listening and I will tell you all about it. But finishing up with Bowman, I mean, it is incredibly hard to argue that it's not one of the prettiest ever. In fact, my my favorite card, baseball card of all time, is in the 53 Bowman color set. And it's the Pee Wee Reese card. And this card is absolutely stunning. It is a full color, they're all full color, but a shot of Pee Wee Reese leaping as a runner is sliding into second base and him making a double play throw. I, now, this is actually a black and white photo that they painted over, believe it or not, on the Reese card. And a lot of people don't know that. But um, 53 Bowman also is the first post-war set that had multiple player cards on it, combo cards, as we call them. And one of the beautiful ones is you've got a – they both – there are only two of them. They both feature Yankees, and you've got the Barra Bauer Mantle, where Mantle's literally just a sliver on the card. He barely is on there. Yeah, and then, if, they, if they had that one to do over again, maybe you have Mantle in the middle. Right. Hank Bauer in the middle. That seems a little uh, odd. And then you have the – there's a second one. I'm, I'm looking for it real quick so I can show it to you. 
Yeah, you're breaking out the heavy hitters here. I know that Pee Wee Reese, that is a favorite of a lot of people. Yeah. The second combo card is Phil Rizzuto and Billy Martin. So what's great about it, if you really analyze the pictures and look at the pictures on the 53 Bowman color set, like you see, oh, let me find it. Um, maybe I already showed it. The You see the uniforms in amazing detail. Like here's the, I'm showing the Eddie Matthews right now and the Braves and they're all, they're, they're wearing these woolen uniforms and you got to know that they are hot, 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 hot. Uh, there's the Warren Spawn. I mean, the beautiful color there, the sleeve emblem of the, you know, the, the Brave. I mean, just gorgeous, but you get to see the gloves. You get to see the, you know, the back. The, all the stuff in incredible detail that really wasn't represented before on baseball cards and the detail and the, the beauty of it is, I don't even, it's indescribable to me how gorgeous that set is. So when you have, uh, all right, man, when you, show like a nice, uh, when you show like a nice clean example of a 53 Bowman, the colors just pop like really no other set that I can think of just kind of like what you said, like the uniforms, the background of the, of the stand musial and the, the dugout, like the colors are just so vibrant and amazing. So I can, I definitely understand why that is, um, you know, a lot of people's favorite for sure. Yeah. But you know, tops wasn't to be outdone. You know, they had just come out with 52 tops the year before, and they wanted to follow up big time. So what did they do, Andy? So Tops, like you said, in 52, they came out with the, the classic 52 set that was, I believe it was like 407 cards. That's right. So they, and I don't know, you didn't really get into the, the lawsuit part. So, um, but, you know, there was, there was a big legal battle going on between Tops and Bowman at this time, like, you know, Bowman was, they were pretty upset that Tops was, you know, taking a big piece of the pie. So, you know, they were, they were filing all these, you know, contract violations against Tops. And um, so what Tops did in 53 is instead of the, the color photos like the 53 Bowman has, they had oil paintings that were commissioned by um, an artist in New Jersey. And they went ahead and they they kind of they kind of decided to go ahead and scale back the number of cards from 407 to I think it was 280, but I think we kind of talked about this the other day. Is it maybe like actually 274? Yeah, there were six cards in the 53 top set that were just never printed due to the contract disputes that you're talking about between Tops and Bowman. Right. So so Tops, you know, they came out with this basically 274 card set and you know they they had four series and they they went ahead they pulled they pulled one of the old tricks from the past like a lot of uh a lot of pre-war collectors probably you know they know about the 33 gaudi lajway there's the 32 us caramel freddie lindstrom there's the the 33 george c miller ivy andrews and what a lot of these companies did is they would, if you completed the set, and these these were relatively small sets, uh, the Gaudi was a big set, but 
these other sets were relatively small sets. If you completed the set, you could send in the set and they would send you like a baseball mid or, you know, a baseball, something like that. Tickets to a game, I think, in some cases. So they would always make one card in the set, either like super, super short printed or in some cases they didn't even really make it at all because I guess they were so cheap. They didn't want to give away like baseball gloves or whatever. So tops, what they decided to do in 53 is I think it was like maybe like six cards that they just left out of series one. And uh, so they never issued cards like I think it was two. 53, 261, 276, 268, 271, and 275. So, and then the first series, the ones that they had skipped, I think it was like, I think there's like five or six different guys, right? Five or six in the first and five or six in the second series. I won't go down the list. I mean, if you if, if anybody wants to know the list of players, you can, you know, you can go ahead and look those up. But they did like single prints of, you know, guys like Pee Wee Reese, Mickey Mantle, Warren Spawn. So cards like that um, will definitely command a big premium. Um, they had, and this is something that we can kind of talk about a little bit too, is, you know, some of these contract battles that led to, um, you know, one set or the other having or not having certain guys, right? So with 53 tops, a couple of the guys that they ended up having that, that Bowman did not have would be Willie Mays, Jackie Robinson, um, Satchel Page was another one. Um, who's the other? There was one other big one, right? Uh, Bear was in both. Uh, I'm trying to think of who the other one was. was in both. Eddie Matthews was in both. Well, you got to remember the – also, the just to throw this out there, the Stan Musial. First of all, no Ted Williams at all, right? Right. right? But you had Stan Musial in the '53 Bowman color. He wouldn't appear again on a baseball card until 1958, and it was mainly because he didn't want to be in the middle of anything. Like, he's like, forget it. I just won't be. I just won't sign a contract with either company during the during that time. Uh, I'm trying to think of who were the other big guys that might be in the top set that aren't in the. Well, and another interesting thing that I discovered through this, and maybe maybe you know why on this, because I really I really didn't see any reason why, is 53 tops had had Mays, 53 Bowman didn't, but Willie Mays was actually in the army in 1953, right? Yeah. Uh, what's funny is on the. But they did that a lot with players. They had players that were serving in the Korean War that were still included in sets because they were under contract. And like this card, and I know we're talking about tops, but on the Bowman card, on the back of the Whitey Ford card, I read this earlier, which is great. Go read the backs of cards. I tell you, if you do that, you're going to learn so much little anecdotes that you probably never knew before. But it says the return of Whitey from Uncle Sam's service to the Yankee mound staff is looked upon by delight from everybody, from the president down to the bat boy. Like who wrote, like I think Cy Berger wrote a lot of these uh, backs of the cards. He's a great young pitcher. And if he can pitch as well as he did before he left for his service, uh, he'll be a tremendous help to the Yanks in their quest for their fifth straight pennant, which, by the way, they did win their fifth straight pennant in 1953 and the World Series. 
And it says 1950 was the last year for Whitey. So at this point, he had only he had a 51 Bowman card as his rookie card, and he wasn't even playing. He had played in 50 and didn't play again until 1953. So he missed the 51 and 52 seasons, which I think is ironic. And of course, Whitey Ford went on to have an amazing career, but he he was nine and one in 1950 and then had to go to fight. You know, it's so back to Mays, right? These guys are under contract. They're big names or big, you know, superstars. They're going to make cards of them, right? They're not going to care if the player's actually playing or not. Uh, that's kind of a moot point. I wish I had the maze card to show you, but that's it's in the high series, and so it's not a very cheap card. <laughs> like I, that's definitely one that I I would like to pick up. Um, that's yeah, that's an incredible looking card. It's probably I think it's my favorite looking card in that set. And uh, you know, I think a lot of people would probably say like the mantle or the or the Jackie or the satchel, but I, I think I like the Willie Mays the best. And that's it. I don't disagree. Uh, and remember, card number one, right? We talked about this a little bit last week or in previous episodes, I guess. Cardinals number one and whatever the last card in the set is, is always very subject to uh, damage because kids would throw them in shoebox. They put them in order and throw them in shoeboxes or rubber band them together. And so, Card number one in the 53 top set. Do you know who it was, Andy? Card number one yeah. in 53 tops? Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Was it, it wasn't Jackie, was it? It was Jackie Robinson. Okay. So, finding, yeah, and he was a single printed card. Um, okay. But Jackie being number one, and at the time, Jackie was – an American hero, like literally he was, uh, everything had kind of moved on. Segregation of baseball was happening uh, or not segregation, integration of baseball was happening. And so Jackie was a big deal and tops such a big deal that in their second real set, they made Jackie Robinson, the number one card, which is usually a a spot held. It's a a prestigious spot to hold. Right. Um, so that was a big deal. And another thing about the 53 tops is, you know, they have the, the black or the red at the bottom and that, that chips up very easily. So if you can, you know, if you find nice examples that don't have a lot of that chipping, they, they tend to, you know, obviously present a lot better and they, you know, they are more desired by collectors, I believe. Do you know what? caused whether it was black or red do you know the distinction um was it was it uh american league national league yep red was american league black was national league yeah Yeah. which is which just adds a really cool when you put the cards together and kind of lay them out it yeah they it really looks very pretty i i don't know how else to say it that's but uh there's no what's funny about 53 and this is on both sides there's no really big rookie cards at all in either 53 set. Right. Now that doesn't mean there aren't big cards, but, and, and one of probably the most important cards in either set is card number 220 in the 53 top set. 
Yeah, Mr. Satchel Page. Yeah. So this is his, this is Satchel's first and only tops card. He was 47 years old when he pitched for the St. Louis Browns in 1953. And it's, I mean, I think that the artist who did this captured him perfectly. I mean, he looks like a weathered, you know, been through a lot in his life. I don't know how, what's the words I want to use to say that, but he he looks like he's been through it. And a, a, let's call it a wise veteran. And it's an absolutely gorgeous card, but it's yeah. his only tops card he ever had. So, Can you imagine what he might have done had he been able to come into Major League Baseball like when he was younger and in his prime? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it, it's fun to think about. Sadly, well, I mean, I look, I watch, you know, like the baseball series by Ken Burns and stuff, and I see what was happening. Obviously, not to the level you, you see what he wants to show you, but there's a lot of emphasis on the segregation of baseball. And what an absolute just silliness. I mean, we can't even imagine it now, right, in today's world. But our world today is still divided and, you know, we've still got issues. But back then it was, you know, what do you mean black people can't play in Major League Baseball? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Josh Gibson and Satchel Page and Buck Leonard and I mean, just good grief. It would have been a very different league, right? It would have changed things for sure, but I mean, I just think about Satchel Page, and I'm like, how many how many pitchers during any generation could still pitch in the major leagues at the age of like 47? <laughs> not I mean, Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan, and yeah, I mean, there's really not many. Jamie many Moyer. Players. How old was Jamie Moyer when he retired? Well, he. he was, I don't think. <laughs> not he, he wasn't was, the same level. Yeah, no, he never really he. He played probably, I don't know, 20 something years and he never really dominated at any point. He, he was he was crafty, but uh, I would have, yeah, that would have been, that would have been really neat to, you know, see guys like that or not see, obviously, for me, but, you know, to have seen what they could have done during that time period. For sure. Uh, we were robbed of that history. So who, um, who are some of the uh, who are some of the guys that were in the '53 Bowman set that were not in tops that year? Like who were some of the guys they had the exclusives with? Uh, the biggest one was Musial. Um, Reese is in both sets. Uh, let me kind of Rizzuto was in both sets. Richie Ashburn was only in the Bowman set. Uh, Mantle, of course, was in both. Campanella was in both. So there really weren't, at, at that point, it started to get more divisive, 54, 55. But at that time, there weren't a ton of guys. Uh, the 53 Bowman, you know, showed managers, and the top set did not show managers. So you had Leo DeRocher, Casey Stingle, like I mentioned earlier, are in the Bowman set, um, that aren't, and they aren't in the top set. So not, not a ton of names really that are like mutual, obviously the biggest one. Yeah. Like when I was, you know, when I was looking at, it, I was trying to like, you know, com comparing these two sets, like I guess some of the, uh, a couple of the advantages that I would give to 53 Bowman would be obviously the photography, 
you know, they had the actual color photos as opposed to the oil paintings, which the oil paintings are great, but the actual photography, you know, that was kind of uh, cutting edge at the time. And then if you're if you're a set collector, I think the, the Bowman is a much smaller set, right? What is yeah. it around 180, something like that to complete? Yeah. Yeah. So 160 actually, but yeah, so 160 it, on the color and then 64 more on the black and white. It leaves you a lot. Like if you're a set collector, you know, sometimes it's kind of like the cards we were talking about on last week's episodes, the cards that you don't really want to buy, but you have to. It leaves you a lot less of those type of cards, the common type guys. Um, so that was kind of some of the advantages I thought of. And then with tops, I think the uh, the player selection, I, I would kind of give them a little bit of an advantage because, you know, they have Jackie, they have Satchel, they have Maze. Um, that, that kind of, I think, gives them a little bit of an advantage there. Um, but it was, I mean, they're so, they're both such great sets. I mean, it's, it's hard. You can't really, you really just, uh, you know, you, you can't go wrong either way. Right. Right. What were some of the big ones exclusive to tops? I mean, uh, Jackie, probably the biggest, right? Satchel. Well, Jackie, Satchel and Willie. Right. Willie Mays. That's right. Yeah. Um, so there are 22 Hall of Famers pictured on cards and 53 tops, just so you know, uh, and 26 in Bowman color. So you can see it was a pretty e and two of those are combo cards. So you could really kind of take those out, meaning 24 versus 22. You know, it was evenly distributed, I guess I should say. There's a couple of key guys in tops only. There's a couple of key guys in Bowman only. But pretty pretty even distribution so was, was 53 bowman was that the first set that would basically like multiplayer cards you know no, just just the two but i mean was it the first set to have those yes the first post-war set to have those yes okay yeah yeah that's what i was thinking yeah okay. so I'll tell you some things I like about, I've already, already told you how much I love the Bowman set, but what I like about the top set is it's, it is a, a nice, simple design, not as simple as literally just a picture like on the Bowman, but right. still relatively simplistic. I do like the logo, you know, having a logo on the card is, is cool and in na names and positions and teams but it's not overdone on the top set in 53 a lion's share of what you see on the card is the is the player's face and a lot of great close-ups of players with i mean like this campy card i love the roy campanella if you've never seen it is just him a portrait of him just with this gigantic grin on his face and it's just such a beautiful card the colors are gorgeous and i mean simple uh effective you really get a lot of expression in the faces of the players and it's something something i'd like to toss out there for maybe if there's some listeners out there that are mostly you know younger modern collectors if because you know like we've talked about this before like the big rage this year has been the project 2020 cards so if you are a, a young collector collecting modern and you're a fan of that set go back and take a look at some of these sets, like, you know, the 53 tops. I mean, these are the type of cards that those are based on. These are like the originals, right? Yeah. The OG, so, right. Yeah, go back and take a look at how beautiful these were. I mean, you know, people, I mean, you know, you can, 
like the 2020 project 2020 or not but i mean these were art as well back then no doubt absolutely and it, it all started with that right everything yeah. else that's come since owes owes its credit to these two sets you think of modern day stadium club 53 bowman colors set the standard right i mean yes exactly and uh yeah like that's that's why they make like you know all of these archives and throwbacks and all that stuff they're basing those off of all of these beautiful sets from this time period so as we finish our last few minutes here andy if, if you had i mean we're talking about choosing from two of the greatest sets ever like literally two of the best sets ever done which is your favorite and why i have to go with the 53 tops and it it really has it has more to do with the player selection for me because out of the two sets the two cards that i would personally want the most would be the willie mays number one and the jackie robinson number two so if if bowman if 53 bowman would have had those guys in it i would probably go with 53 bowman so for me i love both of the sets like i would actually probably lean more towards the bowman just for the the sheer looks of it but for me i've got to have like the maze and the jackie in there boy that you make a very strong argument <laughs> You know, it's funny, like you can pick either set and you're not wrong, right? Yeah. Like you can go, I like this one better or that one better. I'm going to go Bowman, which is why we split this this way, by the way, guys. Uh, it's not a question. I know you feel the same way. You just said it about the Bowman set. It's not that we don't love the other set. It's like, but if you have to choose, I'm going to choose the Bowman just because I thought it was so, I thought it was a great response for Bowman. Just thinking about what was going on in the card market. A, a great response for them coming off of 1952. I think it's hilarious that they ran out of money and had to print a black and white set to finish it out, which kind of, they just left it all on the table. You know, they left it all on the field, so to speak. And I, I think that's a great story that goes with the Bowman set and the photography and everything that we all love about it. I, you know, you have to appreciate the effort that Bowman put because, you know, Tops when they, when Tops came out in '52, they from from what it sounded like to me, anyways, they kind of they kind of had Bowman on the ropes a little bit, and yeah. Bowman had to respond, and they did with you know arguably one of the most iconic sets that we know today. I mean, the Pee Wee Reese that is that that car has just like taken on a life of its own over the years like i know so many people that you know like when they're talking about just like what is their like throw the players the values all that aside just what they think is one of the best looking baseball cards ever produced a lot of people would say that 53 bowman peewee reese if it's not in every person's top five i don't know what they're looking at i mean it may not be your favorite but you should it should be up there you know, in your yeah. in your top five, top ten cards of all best looking cards of all time, because think about it. You know, 
how not only how cool of a shot it is, but it was groundbreaking. They weren't action shots like that. I mean, every other card is essentially posed or a guy, you know, swinging at a you know on the side of the field or whatever. But it's that was so different and it, unique. It really stands out too in that set because how many um, how many other horizontal cards are there in that set? Uh, there are none others. Yeah. That's that's the only one. So I mean, it, it stands out in several different ways, and uh, I don't know why they decided to do that card that way. Just you know, to have it stand out alone like that. But whoever did, great idea. I mean, that was truly iconic. I think. And the last part about this before we talk about um, do our giveaway. What happened? At, think about what happened after this too, right? Bowman is essentially broke because they they spent so much money on developing the 53 Bowman color set. They go into 54, and 54 Bowman relative to 53 is very lackluster, right? They, they went back to the paintings because full-color photography was too expensive. What did Tops do? They went, oh, yeah, we're going full-color Tops photography. Not just one picture in 54 Tops, but two. One of them will be a black and white. Remember, you know, how it's a smaller black and white and then a full color picture of the player. They went all out and Tops knew they were going in for the, and they were, again, backdoor deals, Cyberger making deals with players and all sorts of stuff. They were wheeling and dealing. They would add Ted Williams to their 54 top set, meaning you could see that basically when they stopped 53 Bowman color, started the black and white, that was the cross you know, the crossing point of tops becoming king of baseball cards, ultimately buying Bowman out literally in the last Bowman set we saw until 1989 was 1955. So. And in 54, they really amped up the, the difference as far as player selection. For sure. And the back, you know, uh, the only, the only thing you can say about tops that was, kind of a screw up is there's no Mickey Mantle in 54 yeah. or 55, right? Yeah. But once Bowman's out of the picture. Mantle comes back to tops. He has that iconic 56 tops card. Um, but it was what a great time. And three and the tops and the Bowman sets go learn, go read. We've given you some of the information. There's so much more and there's so much more depth to it that we don't have time to do on a podcast, but I encourage you to go learn because so much cool stuff. I had, I had a lot of fun like researching for this, for this episode. And there was a lot of stuff that I saw that I was like, you know, maybe you thought you knew it, but I guess if you can't remember it, did you really know it? I mean, right. I would probably read it before, but you know, if you've forgotten it, you know, you can always go back and refresh. So there's, there's never a bad time to learn about the history of not only the cards, but the players as well. Um, I think that you find a lot of things that, I mean, to me, like the players were just so interesting back then. There were just so many yeah. crazy, great stories. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. I encourage anybody, you know, even if you don't want to collect the set, go back and learn about it. Maybe you will want to after you, I mean, like I'm fired up to go buy like 
a 53 tops maze right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll cost you. You know, that's a, that's a big boy well, cart for sure. That's why I don't have one already. <laughs> right. But, you know, everybody, we'd love to hear, uh, the feedback has been tremendous. I would love to hear comments about which of the 53 sets you find most appealing. What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? You know, call us crazy for what we like. That's all good. We'd love to hear it. But I want to do a giveaway. We haven't done a whole lot of giveaways on our podcast. And so this is a YouTube exclusive. You have to be watching on YouTube to do this. Unfortunately, I don't have a really great way to do this via the podcast, although I'm working on that. So through a Facebook group for the podcast. But right now, YouTube only. So if you're listening to it on a podcast, you can go find us at, you can go bench clear. Uh, media on our channel. You can go see all of the uh, Golden Age of Cardboard podcasts. We'd love to have you come on there and at least you have to like the video. You have to be a subscriber. You have to like the video and leave a comment as to two things you can leave a comment about. Either what you think about 53, the year itself, or what you think the next battle royale between the years can be and uh, between 48 and 1980, and Andy and I will, will tackle that in a future episode. But what I'm giving away today, Andy, do you want to, Do you know the story behind this set? Have you heard the story behind this that, set? Yes, and to me, that is what, I mean, like, obviously it's a great looking set, but the story behind it is what really makes it special, in my opinion. Do you want to tell the story or you want me to? No, go ahead and tell the story. So what we're giving away today is this right here, and it's a 53 Bowman they call it an extension set. And what it is, is it's, I think, six, 16, 15 or 16 cards that were done. Let me count them real quick. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 12, 13, 14, 15 cards that were done by the guy that was on our last episode, Dave Berg. And his father, his dad came up with this idea of printing kind of some cards that never were, as well as just additional cards of some great players that were included in the 53 Bowman set. And they made them, they are so, so good. Uh, incredibly high quality. There's a lot of people that have this set because Dave has been generous and given these out, but I want to give one to somebody because I have some extras and I want to give this away. You've got players like Monty Irvin and uh, like, here's another Stan Musial. Uh somebody who wasn't in the 53 sets because he had not played yet or he had played in the 53 season was his rookie season. That's Ernie Banks. Somebody you said that you wish was in the 53 Bowman set. There Willie he is. Mays, right. <laughs> Willie Mays, uh, a very cool Mickey Mantle. And the backs look just like the 53 Bowman set. I mean, this is an exquisitely made set. It is gorgeous. Do you remember, Mike, like what year it was that they made that set? It was, I wish I did. Um, there's the Ted Williams. Satchel Page, who was in the 53 tops, but not in the Bowman. Jackie Robinson, who was in the 53 tops, but not. So, sorry, that's, um, I don't know what year, honestly, Andy. But wasn't it like it was in, wasn't it like I was thinking anyway that it was like the late seventies or early eighties. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. That? 
I wish I knew the answer to that. That would be, but it, they've been around a long time. Yeah, like it's not like they just printed these, you know, like this, this was, this was like very innovative thinking back then. Yeah, very creative. They paid all the money to do this and print them and yes. they made a bunch of them, but they're uh, super cool, very nostalgic and a, and a very cool addition to someone's collection. So we'd love to give it away again. You have to be a subscriber comment down below like the video comment or dislike the video as long as you give it a thumb i don't care either way <laughs> give it a thumb either way we'd love you to I would, like I would it. prefer the thumbs up yeah i would prefer the thumbs up too but, <laughs> and then leave a comment and we will draw for that next week on our episode which uh we'll figure that out we don't, we don't want to spoil anything for our next episodes you just got to come back for more yeah, so we've had 53 on the brain lately. So yeah. we, haven't thought of, we haven't thought a week out yet. Yeah. But if you can, if you guys have an idea of what you'd like to see as the next battle Royale, we'd love to hear it. So Andy, man, thanks for all your hard work to research. And that was fun. That was a lot of fun talking about that. Yeah, it was. Um, hopefully, you know, people can take something away from this and, Hopefully, you know, they get motivated or inspired to go back and, and look at these sets, maybe do some more additional research, because, I mean, you know, we tried to hit on a lot of different things, but there's obviously a ton more out there. So don't don't take all of this as the gospel. <laughs> but that is kind of the whole point of our podcast, right, is to give people an awareness and maybe open their eyes to vintage in a way that just may you know it's not that you don't people don't know about vintage but just thinking about it in a different way and maybe gaining an appreciation for it that they didn't have before it's kind of the goal and hopefully definitely. we've done that today definitely yeah so well man let's let's roll out of here uh start the outro wait we don't have an outro so <laughs> we'll well, kind of do we kind of do but yeah. uh so any final words, Andy, before I shut us down here? Um, I guess my final words to steal your line would be keep collecting. Hey, I can't think of a better way to end the podcast. Everybody have a great one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you.